This is Mary Lewis at A Tiny Homestead, the podcast comprised entirely of conversations with homesteaders, cottage food producers, and crafters. Today I'm talking with Michelle at Meet the Minnesota Makers. Good morning, Michelle. How are you? Good morning. It's Hey, the sun's out It's uh, and it feels like fall, so it's a good start to the week. Yes. Welcome to brrr season. <laughs> right. Yes. So, so tell me about yourself and meet the Minnesota makers. Well, um, so I've lived in Minnesota for 11 years now. Um, grew up in the Chicago area, went to school in Indiana and Wisconsin. So I've, you know, covered, covered a fair bit of the Midwest, but, uh, Minnesota is, is home these days and, and will be. And, in all of this, during the pandemic, I was thinking a lot about how to support small businesses. And I've done a lot of writing and a lot of research for work and thought, you know, I'd really like to tell the stories about small businesses that exist right now. So Meet the Minnesota Makers got its start as a newspaper column in the Southeast Metro talking about people I knew through farmers markets, right? Knowing that when people know the stories behind a small business, it's, it makes it more likely to stick, right? And it gives you that personal connection that can really make the difference for pursuing a local business instead of Amazon or, or one of your big box stores, right? Of, of looking local first. And so that's where it got its start, Mary. And then it kept inching forward from then, from there, right? Onto social media. And now uh, this website that I launched in spring 2023, that's a growing directory of local makers. So focus is small farms, uh, local food producers, artists, authors, artisans, and then community leaders, whether it's in civic engagement or non-for-profits, and sharing their stories, making it more accessible for people to support local, and also helping makers connect with each other. Uh, for there's been some really fun collaborations that have come that I know of that have come out of makers who have found each other through Meet the Minnesota Makers. So the website now, it's like the non-gossipy part of People Magazine meets a small business directory. Cute. That That's a great way to describe it. I've, I've looked at it. It's really nice. Thank you. I didn't realize it was that new. I, I didn't know you started this past spring. The website did not get started till this past spring. That, you know, at first this was, as so many people with small businesses do, right? It was it was a side project. Uh, and, and the newspaper column was very much that way. But then there was such a warm reception to learning the stories about the small businesses and I discovered there was this, this vacuum, right? That there wasn't a news source just dedicated to small businesses. And the more I dug, 
the more talented people I kept finding and just trying to bring some good from my little corner of the internet. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really interesting when you say that you, it got bigger and, and you dug deeper because at the farmer's market that we, we sell our produce and things at in the summer, there's a guy who takes old treadle sewing machine, you know, the actual sewing machine part, and he strips it down and he repaints them to look like little tractors. And they are the most adorable thing I've ever seen. I, I wouldn't necessarily buy one for myself, but it's something I might consider buy, buying for someone who's into, I don't know, John Deere tractors or something. And just for him to have the creativity to look at that and think, oh, I could make a tractor out of that is just amazing to me. Right, right. And I don't, I don't know his story yet because I haven't talked to him, but... I'm going to try to get hold of him and see if he'll be a guest on the podcast because I think that'd be really fun. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's part of the wonder, Mary, right? Is that different people are called to different things, right? Like I have no desire to fuss with macarons, but I so admire the creativity and the sculpting that some people are able to do with this fussy high maintenance pastry, right? Or the stories of how people came to farming, how they decided to pursue a grain-free granola or you know why they're doing gluten-free baked goods and whether it's because of a loved one or their own journey. And I mean, nobody's path is, is a straight one that brought them to this. And also, you have to really love it if you're going to put yourself through the highs and lows of being an entrepreneur, um, of working with just yourself or a really small group. Um, or, or your or, husband, in my case. <laughs> right, right. Or, you know, any sort of homesteading where you're, you're just trying to, for questions of sustainability on, on whatever level resonates with you. Um, it's not easy, but there's so much passion and motivation and desire to learn. And I love getting to learn about it through the different people I talk with. Yeah, you and I are a lot alike. That's why I wanted to start the podcast, because I really wanted to know why people are doing what they're doing and how they're doing it. Because there's lots of people growing produce, but but why? Why did they start? And what are the tricks that they've learned to make it go better each season? Those are the right. things that I'm curious about. Right. And um, we we make soaps <clears throat> and lip balms and things, and we sell them. And the story behind the soaps is that um, I, for some reason, I have really sensitive skin. It's probably my, my British background because mm. I tell people I'm from the general UK area, if anyone asks about my ancestry, but I kept getting really itchy skin from soaps from the store. And I bought a bar of um, cold process lye soap at the Minnesota Renaissance Festival years ago and tried that and no more itchy skin. And I was like, honey, can we make our own, our own soap? And my husband was like, let me, let me look into it because I don't want to mess with lie. Lie scares me. Sure. And he's pretty fearless. So 
I, I was real happy when he said, yeah, we can, we can make soap. And so he made an unscented batch the first time and I used it and loved it. And then we decided to keep going with it. And so now I'm never without soap that I feel safe using. So that's how we got into the soaps. And then the lip balms and things were just a, an offshoot. <clears throat> so it's, it's a long and winding road and there's always a different reason why people do things. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, um, did, did you ever make anything? Were you ever a maker? Was I ever a maker? Um, I guess my making has been wordsmithing. Mm -hmm. right? and, and so this was, this was the logical extension that I have written, whether it was stories or more formal research or journaling that writing has always been a go-to for me. Um, and so using my tools, like I enjoy, you know, we do a lot of cooking at home. We, my husband jokes that really a lot of what we do with Meet the Minnesota Makers is the same things we were doing before of going to local festivals and farmers markets and, and art fairs uh, and pursuing, you know, out of the way local gems. But now there's this, this bigger context. So I guess my making has always been, I don't know, I, I enjoy gardening and cooking and, you know, tinkering around with my with my kids and what they're creating. Um, but yes, I found in, in a funny way with Meet the Minnesota Makers after I started doing the newspaper columns and then the features on social media, that that was even more so my maker space, right? And that's where then the business side of me doing content creation for makers came out of. Because much like many of them share, you know, of the reason why they started making a granola or everyone loved their muffins or, you know, you discovering the soap that finally brought you relief Right, that people are like, wow, you described, you know, my business so clearly. I wish I'd known you when I was working on this grant or doing this project or writing my website. Mm -hmm. And so then it felt, well, why couldn't you know me? Um, so it's a fun, I guess there's like two branches, right, with Meet the Minnesota Makers, that there's there's the directory and the website, but then also working with makers to tell their own stories so that they can focus more on soap and farming and macarons and I can help them get the story out to their customers that will help sustain the business in the long run. Yes. And that's <clears throat> what I'm trying to do too. <clears throat> it's still allergy season. I'm so tired of this. Hang on one second. <clears throat> sure. Okay. I've done this in almost every podcast I've recorded, I'm like, I'm doing fine. And then no, um, you and well, I are there's something huh? to look forward to for winter, right? Oh yeah. I can't wait till the, the first really hard freeze. And that sounds mm -hmm. terrible because I know what that leads into, but I'm ready. I'm ready for summer to be done. Um, 
you and I are doing a lot of the same kind of thing because yeah. when when I was talking to my husband about wanting to start a podcast, <clears throat> I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to try it. Right. And I've been talking with him off and on for the last two years. You know, it comes up here and there. And I said, I can't really find anything that shares people's stories as an interview format right. <clears throat> on on makers and growers and and bakers. I said, maybe I should do a, a conversational tone podcast <clears throat> about those with those people. And he said, well, put a put a call out on Facebook and see if anybody wants to be interviewed. Right. And so I did. <clears throat> and there were like 30 people within the first day saying, I would love to talk about what I do. Isn't that amazing? And what I forgot, because I'm really shy and I don't like being around a lot of people in person, is that people love to talk. And I know this because my secret weapon in surviving any social gathering is finding someone who has something that stands out about them, whether it's their crazy purple polka dotted tie or their four inch high heels and very quietly saying, I really like your tie or your shoes. What, what, where'd they come from? Why did you get those? And people talk, which means I don't have to. Sure. So it's, it's my secret defense mechanism. And I probably just let everybody know what it is, but that's fine. Wow, now care. it's out. Now we're going to yes. all be on watch. Yes. And how I, how, I, how I space the fact that people love to talk about themselves is beyond me because I know this. This is my tool in life. Right. So, so then I was like, okay, how do I record a podcast? And I had to go out and learn about the platforms and how they work and what you do. Sure. And I did the first one. I was as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. And then after it was over and I listened to it, I was like, oh, I can do this. This is okay. Uh -huh. So it's really fun. And I'm actually more a word girl than a voice girl. I, I have written for magazines and newsletters and I've blogged and I've produced, I've, I've um, published eBooks for people. So sure. I'm very, I'm very about words, but this podcast thing is, is so much easier, which sounds like a, a cop out, but it is because it's done in 30 minutes. It's it's done. I just have to edit it and send it out into the world. Right. So, and I love people's voices. I love it when people talk to me and they get all excited and animated and it comes through. Yes. So I feel like if I'm recording people, they're telling their stories in literally their own voice, right. their excitement and their, their process comes through. And then they're out there and people know about them. So- right. We're doing the same thing. We're just doing it with different mediums, I think. Right. But that's that's the beauty, right? I mean, there's space for more than one form of storytelling, just like there's space for more than one soap maker or candle maker or, or whatever it is, right? Because everyone is putting their own personal touch on it. Um, and you're you're going to attract different people, right? Based on your region or your your overall tone. And the end goal here is just to lift up the community building that's possible through sharing stories and knowing 
that the stronger the small businesses are, the stronger the local community is. Yes, exactly. And I'm just as guilty of buying things from Amazon instead of a local maker as anyone else. But it's typically when it's someone, it's something I need that no one is making. Right. So, yeah, um, our local uh, farmer's market this summer has been <clears throat> fantastic. They've had like between 14 and 20 different vendors all summer long. And I talked to one of them for a podcast and he does, he grows flowers and he's only 21 and oh, he's wow. been at the farmer's market for a few years. And he said he was so excited about the fact that the farmer's market has been so successful this year. And it was last year too, but even more so this year. And I didn't know the history on it. So I asked him what changed. And he said, there's new people who organize it <clears throat> and they're really great about promoting it. He mm. said, but, but he said the vendors, he said, we have so many different vendors than we've had in years past. Sure. And he's right because I remember seeing it um, when we first moved here three years ago, we weren't part of it. And it was just a few booths and, you know, wasn't a lot of traffic. And this year, it just, it looks so inviting. It's, it's along a street and people have their booths set up and they have all different colored things. And it's very vibrant and people actually come and, and wander and shop and talk. And it was, it's, it's been the way that we have learned about people because we moved here three years ago during COVID. We didn't learn anything about anyone because no one was around anyone. So this summer has been really fun in that we've met new people and found out new things about what they do. Sure. Sure. So, um, so what's, what's the most interesting maker you've, you've, uh, featured on your website so far? Oh gosh, that's, that's an impossible <laughs> question. And you, know, and you know it too. Um, oh, you know, I, I know it's, I know it's trite, but you know, people always say, well, the favorite one is whatever you've just you know, finished writing about. Um, mm -hmm. But I get whatever the story is, right? I, I think I had, you know, initially I would say I'm deeply grateful to like Aspen Ridge Honey Farm and Tom Rulin's, uh, Rulin's Strudel House. They were the very first two that when I said, hey, we're going to pilot this newspaper column, what do you think? And both of them were like, sure, I'll talk with you. Uh, this past summer, we did a series on local food and it was such a fun mix. I had like Eat Me Bakery in Minneapolis who does these beautiful cakes and fun sandwich cookies, but then also Heartland Huga, who's another cartage baker who does these giant, like her lime bars are just amazing. Um, but then also in the mix, we had Heather's Home Goods at Heather's a cottage producer up in Embarrass, Minnesota, who also has a, a homestead and uh, an occasional CSA there was a mother-daughter duo who's written a cookbook called Minnesota Roots that is all about 
their family stories. Uh, and Megan Stetska, the daughter, is a food photographer in, in Minneapolis. And so the book is as beautiful as like a coffee, coffee table book as it is history book about growing up in rural Minnesota, but then also these delicious practical recipes that are not overly complicated, right? They're very accessible. Um, oh gosh. And then, you know, also had like Anna Klimek of Happy Food and her wellness education that she does and, and whole food relationships and helping people to cook and to feel good about what they're cooking. And it's so fun to bring all these different perspectives on food together. So I'm just so pleased with how that series came together. Uh, and now I'm starting to get excited, you know, looking towards, I know it's only October and yet for planning purposes, looking towards what the Holiday Maker series is going to look like and uh, planning a holiday guide this year on a, a much more profound level than what we did last year for Meet the Minnesota Makers. So starting to, to shape that, which is exciting. And again, we'll never replace Amazon. And I don't want people to feel guilty about that either. But I want, the goal is to make people aware of what is available local. So I guess if I'd have to pick a total favorite in there, it's the things when I get to surprise people, right? Like there's a you pick lavender farm down in Farmington called the Lavender Barnyard, which people don't expect to find that here, right? Or there's um, a wonderful farmstead called Boomflower Farm down in Kenyon, Minnesota, where she makes bedding that's entirely made in Minnesota. It's, you know, the sheep from her, the wool from her sheep on her farm. And a lot of the sewing actually takes place in St. Peter. But then, you know, on a different level, there's uh, up in Isanti, Minnesota, there's a micro distillery that's making rye whiskey and bourbon and gin. And all the juniper for the gin is harvested from the cedar trees, you know, in their front yard. And it's all Minnesota grains and Minnesota water. And you can go to the tasting room up in Isanti. It's called Isanti Spirits, which people are always surprised, right, that things like this exist. Well, it's, it's got to start somewhere. It does. It does. I was just talking with a lady the other day. She'll be, I'll be releasing her podcast next week. And she is um, trying to become a certified herbalist. Okay. And she was telling me so much about the things that she forages, you know, just mm -hmm. around where she lives. Right. And there's so many things. I mean, we have, we have, we have two elderberry bushes or trees or whatever they are sure. on our land. And I haven't been able to get any of them because the birds keep getting them before I can get to them. Right. But I'm hoping to put some netting over them next year and see if we can get some. And elderberry syrup is actually really yummy and it's really good for you. Right. So I'm hoping to get to that next year. And if it works, we'll put in some more and we'll, we'll make elderberry syrup for people. But 
but yeah, everything started by hand. I mean, we're so right. used to, we're so used to everything being readily available at whatever store it's sold at, but that wasn't how it always was. No. It, it was, if you needed, if you needed wood to build a box, you went to the local lumber company where they had gotten trees brought in from the local lumberjack and right. he had he, they milled those logs into boards that you could buy and use you didn't go to home depot where where you spent i don't know two two dollars a, a board foot and picked out a hundred of them and made a shed it's not how it worked and that's a really simple <laughs> that's a really simple um example but once the industrial revolution hit so many things changed in such a radical way that when you make something like soap and you tell people you make soap, they're like, how do you do that? Right. In this very bemused voice conveying, why would you do that? And isn't it difficult? And it's really not. It's not that hard to make soap or lip balm or a cake or <laughs> right. you right. just you just have to be able to follow directions and most humans are capable of that right yes okay. so i i could soapbox all day about how things used to be versus how they are now but i also feel like it's how you were brought up my parents had a garden so i learned how to weed gardens from a very early age um we lived in an area where you could go fishing. So we had bass and white perch probably probably twice a month in the spring and summer. <clears throat> um, we had a wood stove. So, of course, we helped move the wood to the basement at the house we lived in. And sure. my dad was the one who, who split it and stacked it. So I... <laughs> I, I don't want to say life is easy now because life is not easy now. There's a lot going on and mentally and emotionally, I don't think life is easy now, but mm -hmm. physically life is easy now if you need it to be. Right. Right. So I think what can get overwhelming is, you know, people look at, examples of people who really are making, you know, they're making their own bone broth, they're making their own soap, they're grinding their own, I don't know, spices, coffee, right? It's the, it, the, the foraging and, and it's easy to think, well, I can't take on all of that. And mm -hmm. I'm going to paraphrase from Katie Lund at Boomflower Farm. She said it so much more eloquently than I will repeat, but you know, she said that no one can do it all, right? And Katie said, like, she's never going to bake bread. That's just not what calls to her, right? But she, you know, in addition to the, the sheep and such that she cares for, um, she does a, a wonderful line of skincare products. And that's going to be her focus and her passion and, and the animals that she pasture raises. But she knows other people who are going to do sourdough bread and she's happy to support them, right? And and there's other categories where maybe she's not going to, you, you 
it's okay to specialize, right? And that 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 village, that bartering even, right, is still an essential part of making it all work. Uh, yeah, it, it's like a web. Right. We, um, my husband is uh, out putting the garden to bed <clears throat> right now. And in the process of putting the garden to bed over the last few weeks, we have friends that have goats and the goats really like, oh, let's say the Brussels sprouts that didn't really produce big enough Brussels sprouts to eat. So sure. we gave them the Brussels sprout plants, pulled them out. They can take them. Um, I don't even know what else he gave him, but two pickup truck loads of, of spent plants right. from the garden. <clears throat> and in return, we've gotten a half gallon of goat milk, which was fantastic to drink and to have in our coffee. Right. And um, today, I think the guy is coming by to pick up our trailer to load it up with goat manure to spread on our garden. And not a penny has been exchanged, but things have been exchanged. Right, right. And you're putting all of those things to use, which is yeah. beautiful. Yep. And the goats are adorable. I've met them. I, I love goats. I, I keep saying this and I need to stop saying it because people are like, she's a crazy goat lady. Um, I love goats. I think goats are great. Um, I love the baby ones most of all. The adult goats are crazy and mischievous, and I will probably never own goats <laughs> for that reason. Sure. But when I when we met these new friends and I found out that they had baby goats this spring, I was so sad because now they're six months old and they're just goats. They're not baby goats anymore. There will be more baby goats next spring, and I will be going to hold one again. Sure. They're so sweet. They're like baby deer, except they're not. <laughs> Um, so I don't, I don't know what else to ask you. Um, anything else you want to share? Hmm. Well, I think for people to know who haven't yet visited Meet the Minnesota Makers, right? That, that the purpose of this is to create community among makers and and to make it easy access for people who want to support local, right? That you can come to the website and, and search for bakers or woodworkers or glass cutters and you know see, see what we have as options or also some stores of places that carry local products. Mm -hmm. uh, I should state nobody on the page has paid to be on the page. It's uh, it's not a pay to play model, you know, mm -hmm. that people do if they hire me to work to develop content for their websites and such that that is something that they pay for. But the site itself, um, we welcome sponsors for the website or for upcoming series. And there's a whole range of ways um, or range of contributions that can be part of sponsorship uh, that helps the community to continue and to grow. But I, I do, I've seen the pay to play models on small business directories. And as, as a consumer, I have a harder time trusting those. And so I want people to know that. Um, 
The website is meettheminnesotamakers.com and that's the same. And then it's Meet the Minnesota Makers on Facebook and Instagram for people to follow along. And I also always welcome suggestions of makers that people can self-nominate to be included or nominate their favorite business, uh, someone who who they patronize or their cousin, you know, brother-in-law, what, <laughs> what, what have you, right? That that's, that's how the directory continues to grow as people suggest their favorite makers. Okay. Awesome. <clears throat> um, my husband is actually going to be at the Maker Fair Minnesota event in St. Peter this weekend. Oh, and sure. And that's, that's just makers. That's, that's a juried craft fair that happens every year in St. Peter. And he's so excited. He was saying that he has to check our inventory. If there's anything anything else he needs to make in the next three days. And I just laughed. I said, boy, I hope there's not a lot you need to make because there's not a lot of time left. And he said, well, I think I might need a couple candle batches made. I said, okay, you get on that. (laughs) Then you know what you're doing this week. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I I do not make the candles, nor do I make the soap. Mostly because the the pitchers for the wax are so heavy. And that, that wax is so hot when, when it's, you know, when it melts down and I'm so afraid I will spill it all over myself or the dog or the floor or something and it will just be a disaster. And he has a whole system set up for it. Sure. Well, see, Mary, it's okay to specialize. Yes, exactly. Yes. I will make the lip balms, which are little tiny pictures and, Mm -hmm. and it's fun. And I love it when I make the ones that are tinted with mica powder because it's so fun seeing the the beeswax and oils turn from like a a beige color to a deep, deep burgundy or a bright pink that it just it makes me so happy. And it probably sounds stupid, but it's so beautiful when it swirls into it. Absolutely. I, I love that part. And I also love having lip balm on hand all year round. <laughs> I, fully, I I consider myself to be, uh, for years, I, I am a lip balm snob and easily have like, you know, six different things, whether it's, you know, one's in the coat pocket, one's in my purse, one's on the dresser, right? I mean, it must be readily accessible. Yes, absolutely. I have I have at least three in my bedroom. I have 10 in the bathroom in a drawer. I have one in each pocket of my jackets. I always have lip balm. It's Minnesota. You can't live without lip balm. It's, it's a bad plan no. to not wear it. And I was a huge fan of Burt's Bees lip balm. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was my my uh, benchmark for a good lip balm. Sure. And then I made my own. And now my own is my benchmark only, only because it's really silky, but it's not wet. Like once it's on, it dries out, but it doesn't get sticky. Sure. And this is a thing for people that are very aware of textures. (laughs) I I can't do chapstick because it's too stiff. It, It feels weird on my lips. 
I don't like it. And Burt's Bees was the the smoothest lip balm I had ever tried. And now I make my own and I'm like, uh, I'm sorry, Burt's Bees. I'm going to make my own. That's how it's going to be. That's uh, Burt's Bees will be okay. I'm pretty sure they will. I'm sure they're crying all the way to the bank that I'm not buying their lip balms anymore. <laughs> but anyway, I really, really appreciate your time. I know you're busy and it was great talking with you. Well, thank you, Mary, for for giving your unique platform for small businesses and looking at the contributions of our cottage producers and homesteaders and and what I know you you look beyond Minnesota at times, but your your focus has been what we're doing up in this state. And it's it's just such a joy to have a way to learn these stories. It is. It's really, really fun. So you keep doing what you're doing. And I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and we will lift everybody up. That sounds like a great plan. All right. Thank you again. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. Bye.